tell people, listen, I'm going to start speaking how I feel it is. Now, if I'm wrong, please forgive me. But I'm going to start talking about a few, few truths that we have going on in the church. And folks, we're going to have to combat it. Because this system is going to be set up and we're going to have to stand up for the truth. I don't know if you heard about that uh, guy um, in the UK, the, the preacher, the guy on the street, who had two homosexuals come up to him and basically said, what do you think about homosexuality? Totally and utterly set him up. He didn't say anything derogative. He said, God loves the sinner. And he says, God loves you, but God cannot stand the, the sin. He loves the sinner, but he can't abide in the sin. And he wants to touch you. He wants to, you know, and he, and he just gave, you know, God is, you know, just going to, doesn't matter what you've done, whether you've lied, whether you've stolen, whatever, God's going to judge it. If you don't know him, what do these guys do? They run off to the police, tell the policeman, they come along, they arrested this guy, chucked him in a cell for 18 hours without food, without water, without even a cup of tea. And they left him there for 18 hours. And he's just, this week, just got awarded £18,000 for damages. Uh, and the police have said we made a mistake. Folks, this is coming on us. And we, we don't know how close we're really into it. I said last week we're at the ankle stage. You're going to see now an influx of an attack by China on America. The American dollar is going to come down. It is definitely going to start. And it's going to start this, this first blood moon. There's going to be an attack on America. China have been preparing for this attack for 30 years. 30 years. Why? Because they hold $1. trillion worth of debt that America have. They own the Empire State Building. China do. That's unheard of. They own most of the gold mines in South Africa through Anglo-America. They own so many things they've brought, bought up over the last few years. This is where you're going to start seeing the mixture of the iron and the clay. The clay representing what? The East. So you, you're going to start seeing this. And what is it for? It's to launch the Antichrist onto the system, into the scene. And there is going to be a mixture of the West and the East. So my thing is, buy gold. In, in 2009, China bought billions of dollars worth of gold. They've got it stored away, they've got it stacked away, and uh, they've got gold shops in China. Gold shops. Their currency is becoming gold. And everything that, that uh, a business in China, um, if they have an export... They bring in the export money and they have to give a part of that to the government in gold. Not in dollar, in gold. Because the dollar is going to crash. And uh, I, was, I was sharing this with Woody and Woody was sharing a lot of this stuff with me and we were bouncing it back and forth. And he sent me through today, a, uh, which I know Trevor and anybody else, I can send you the link. It's incredible. It's about an hour and five minutes about a, a guy that works in business. And he looks at the stocks and the market and, and see for the last five years he's been studying what China have been doing. And their state television and their radios in China have called this the secret weapon. And it's a secret weapon of stealth. Folks, this is on us. 
This is on us, and the Lord is saying to us, coming, ready or not. If you speak to the majority of Christians that maybe that you don't know that well, but the majority of Christians out there, they haven't got a clue that this is going on. Not a clue. We have. Why? Because as this world gets darker, as Neville says, it's going to be the best of times and the worst of times. There's going to be a body of people throughout all of this darkness going on that are going to shine with light. They're going to be the answer to many of these problems that the world is going to see. And, I've got, uh, and, and, and the Lord has not stopped talking to me for three days. For three days as I've been doing the studying and the writing and all the rest of what I'm about to speak tonight. Haven't even got onto my message. But we are at a pivotal, pivotal time. Pivotal time. So as we look at part five of Daniel, we're going to look at the whole of chapter three. And uh, we just give a recap on last week. You know, we had the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar in the first dream and what it represented, the gold, the head of gold, which is, and uh, it speaks about the, the six kingdoms. It's not just five, it's six. Six kingdoms. The first one being the golden image, which is what? Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He reigned for 70 years, when, you know, went through all of the dates. Then we've got the silver, which is the arms and the breasts of the statue, which talks about the, the Medes and the Persians. And they ruled for 207 years. Then we've got the belly and the thigh. That's, that's talking about the bronze. And it's talking about uh, Alexander the Great. And he, he, his empire ruled for about 163 years. Then we've got the legs of iron, which we know is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire that went on the longest. Why? Because it's the longest part of the body. It was over 644 years that the Roman Empire lasted. Then we have the most... This is where we're entering into. This is what we will see in the next couple of years being set up. This is where we're at, going from the, the bottom of our ankles. We're now moving into the feet. This mixture of clay and iron. And as I spoke about last week, it's top-heavy. This statue's unstable. And the weakest part is going to be its feet. In other words, even though it's going to have an, uh, the iron mixed into the clay... It's going to be a kingdom that's going to be divided. It's going to have an east and a west. It's going to have a ten federation. It's going to be it's the same thing that we saw in Revelation with the beast coming out of the water. What's the water represent? It's coming out of the water of the world. It's the world. So this will come out of the world as we know it today. The beast has already arisen and it's got seven heads, which speaks about it's been around for a long time. It's been around for the seven ages of the church, and I can prove it to you through the Bible, the seven ages and what they represented and where we are. We're in the last seven. We are the seventh-age church. We are the mixture of having the Lacedaemonian church and also the Philadelphian church. There's a mixture. The Philadelphian one, which is called Brothers of Love, but also the Lacedaemonian one, which is the one that's lukewarm. Folks, our Western churches is lukewarm. Our churches in the West need to wake up. And the people sat in them need to wake up, otherwise they are going to die in them. They are going to lose their lives. And not just lose their lives, but their families will lose their lives. This is what the Lord's been speaking to me about. And I'll prove it from this chapter. So we've been looking at this, but then we see another kingdom. A kingdom not made of human hands, which speaks about the rock 
the rock. And who's the rock? The rock is Jesus. And Jesus, using a base thing, which is us, is going to smash this kingdom down. And we will usher in the thousand-year reign of Christ, the thousand-year rule where Jesus will establish on earth kingdom principles for a thousand years. And then it goes on from that. And if you, know, if you just have a look at your Bible and understand it, that's just the beginning. The thousand-year reign is just the beginning of God establishing on earth. Why earth? Have you ever thought, why earth? Because he created us so that we could be in his image, reflecting his glory to a universe. The earth is his footstool. And as he looks down, if he's sitting on his chair, what's the first thing he's going to be looking at? Us. And I'm telling you now, I don't care who says it, God is going to have a people that reflect him. God is going to have a people that shine for Jesus and bring glory to him. That's what we were created for, was to bring glory to God. So, let's go into, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me. We're going to have a look at chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. We see here, and we're reminded that Nebuchadnezzar is a megalomaniac. He has got a psychological problem. He is so totally into himself, it is frightening. And we'll have a look at that more in Daniel 4. I'm trying to find the medical term. It's, it's, it's quite shocking. But, but um, Nebuchadnezzar was a total megalomaniac. He did everything for himself. And if it didn't reflect him, he became incredibly insecure. Incredibly insecure. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar has built a statue of himself because he's listened to Daniel. And he says, da uh, Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, your head of gold is representing you. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He takes the things that Daniel has said and disregards it. He said, no, there will only be one kingdom. And he makes this very statue in his own image. He reflects himself. And he's basically saying, Daniel, you're wrong. I am going to be the most powerful kingdom and people are going to worship me. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get what Daniel's saying. He's only into his second year as reigning. You know, and, he, and, he's, and he's probably in his 30s at this point. But he's in his, well, probably in his 20s, actually, at this point. He's a young king when he comes onto the throne. But then what's amazing is that he builds this. Can you imagine building a statue that is over 90 feet high, made of solid gold? Solid gold gold. The expense of that is incredible. Listen, what's that saying to us today? Gold is going to be a commodity. Gold is going to be huge in the end times. Yeah, and, 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 and we've got to be really preparing for this. Gold is going to be a currency. right? But do you know the archaeologists have found the actual pedestal that this statue stood on? They've actually found it. You can go on the website, you can Google it, and you can have a look, and it's huge. Yeah, it's probably the size of the stage, probably bigger, the actual dimensions of it. It is absolutely huge, and it goes right up the side of a mountain. What's he do that for? 
where's the rock that's going to smash these? He's saying, come on then, God, where's your rock that's going to smash this down? What are your guards all about? Where's the rock? And he puts it by a, a, a huge mountain right beside it. But do you know what I think? Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue to appease his guards, to bribe his guards, to say, do you know what, guys? We're, we're going to change history. My man's got it wrong. We're going to change it because he's a megalomaniac. Do you know, and how many of us know that when a person sets out and tries to change God's mind in this way, it will never, ever, ever work. Trying to change history. So we look at uh, Daniel 3, 4 and 5. Then a herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that all the time that you hear the sound of the, the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in sympathy with all all in symphony with all kinds of music. You shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar sets up. See, what's happening here? He's a, this is exactly what's going to happen to us. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene and when we're into it, he will set up a statue of himself and he will call people to worship him. And if you do not worship him, you will lose your life. Absolutely, 100%. This is a picture of the end times. Where Nebuchadnezzar is, he's basically, what the Lord is showing us is there is going to be an end time kingdom that is going to be just like this, but a lot worse. A lot worse. And it's say that if you choose to take the mark of the beast, you will worship the golden image. You will worship the image that the devil will set up in the end times. You will worship it. And people will will absolutely bow down to that, that statue and worship the beast. Incredible. So what we have got, what I believe now, we've got a window of opportunity that's been presented us today as we've been going through this series of saying, where are we going to lie in this? What are our convictions going to be? Are we going to be completely convicted to stand for the Lord? Or are we going to bow down and worship an image? I'll tell you now, the Lord is speaking to me about the music. Why does he have all the music going on? Because it stirs things up in heavens. It stirs up in the heavenlies. It awakens the heavenlies. So how much more was our music going to stir up in the heavens of God? I tell you, there's going to be attacks on worship like there's never before. Never before. This is why Trevor, we've had a long chat with Trevor and and Heidi and, and Trevor's going to start heading up all the worship, you know, and, and people and things like that. Is why? Because we want to get things into place. We want to be solid. We, we, when this storm hits us, and it will be a storm, you know, it'll be good, bad, and the ugly coming through that door. We've got to be ready for it. I thank God that we've got people like Billy and, and, and Michelle who's heading up, you know, well, Michelle's heading up all the, the, the Sozo, and we've got Corin, you know, doing that, and Billy, and we've got, and, and she, we've got a great body of people now ready for this influx because there's going to be people need healing not just physical healing that's going to break out that's going to, that's almost got part of the easy part but it's you know we're going to have to set people free set people free so here we have as a dedication service and what Nebuchadnezzar is saying here in verses 4 and 5 is I am higher than any of your gods Daniel 
I'm higher than anything that you've got out there. And my people will worship me and they'll worship me alone. This is exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. Exactly. He is such, he is the biggest megalomaniac you have ever seen. How can he come up against knowing that he's walked in the heavens of God, walked into the throne room of God, and he still doesn't get it? You're coming down, Satan. You're coming down, and he still doesn't get it. Just like Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get it. And the thing about this is that when, when a king in those days, you're going to see this thing about decrees. Whenever you look in, the, in, the, in, the, in this story and you see a decree, when a king makes a decree, it means he cannot change it. He cannot change it. Even if his daughter or his son or his family refuse to worship that image, they will die. You cannot change a decree that the king makes. So now he's made this, it is set in stone. He cannot alter it. And we'll see more of this, especially in chapter 4 of the decree. So this is going to happen in our day. And, you know, taking the mark of the beast, you know, some of us are going to have a choice to take it or not to take it. Some will be forced to take it. You know, this whole thing about the forearm and the forehead, let's not worry about it. Let's just not worry about it. Listen, if we're forced to take uh, this mark and somebody holds us down and puts them, there's not a lot you can do about it. But guess what? God can do something about it. God can melt that, absolutely, you know, completely do whatever he wants. And my trust is in him. My total trust is in, 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 in the Lord that is above all gods. So in that, don't be worried. If we're forced to take this mark, do not be worried. But we should not ever take it willingly they'll have to tie me down or chop my head off because I ain't taking it I'm not you know it's just there's just some things you put and you you say that's it I'm not doing it I ain't going to follow this but we've got time why because God has opened our eyes why because we're made for this moment we've been born for this moment so that there will be a battle And the battle is now. The battle has already started. And we're waking up. And I just believe that that, that in heaven they've sound the shofar. And there's a body of people on earth that have woken up to that sound. And it's the sound of the shofar of war. There is going to be war broken out. It says here in chapter 13 of Revelations, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. And the image of that beast should both speak and cause as many as not to worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That sounds pretty, pretty hard. Sounds pretty tough. Folks, our God's in control. Our God has got a, an antidote for this. What is it? His mark. His mark. What's his mark? A little hole in our ear. A little hole. I'm a bondservant of the living God. I'm a bondservant of God. That's the mark that we should have. If you have a look in Revelations, he, God tells the four angels holding the four winds back, he says, don't do it. Why? Because I need to mark on the forehead, my people. 
What are those people? Turn with me. Revelations 12. Revelations 12, verses 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to her earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman who was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half. That's three and a half years, folks. This woman is going to be nourished for three and a half years. She's given the wings of a great eagle. What does an eagle represent? Revelation. Revelation. There is going to be a body of people from the true church. The woman represents the true church. It does not represent the whole church. It represents the true church, not the apostate church, not the one of compromise, not the liberal church, not this, this postmodern church that's been set up in our time. These are the true church. This is the true people that are listening to God and hearing what he's saying in the heavenlies recognizing the times and the seasons therein. But look at this. So the, present, the, the, the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, and she was caused, which might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Listen, that represents, there is going to be a storm. There is going to be a storm of huge significance. But God will absolutely protect those that have prepared themselves. And it says... Uh, she was carried away by the flood, but the earth had helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went and made war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You can't get any more black and white than that. The devil is going to turn around on this apostate church. Well, this church, it says that these people love the Lord. They love the Lord. They're not, you know, they're not these people that have gone you know, completely you know, off the scale. They love the Lord. It's not talking about the liberal church. It's talking about those that just haven't listened. They haven't, they haven't recognized the signs and the seasons you know, that they're in today. They haven't, and they're asleep to it. How many people do you know that are going to these churches and they're asleep? You know, I hear, I'm looking at Christina, just, just the Lord prompting me. I see people, young people like Christina, you know, uh, you don't mind me saying this, do you? You know, good-looking girl, you know, single. And I see young people like her flocking to these big churches because they want to find a husband. Are you saying to me that a husband can't be seen? You know, the Lord hasn't prepared a husband for you. Of course he has. Of course he has. If you've got that thing and you want to be, you know, but I can't, I can't understand this thing about young people going from one church to the other because they're trying to find a husband or a wife. I want to come to church and love the Lord. I want to come to the, I've set my standards. Whatever the Lord brings into my life, he's going to bring in my life. And some of it's going to be tough. Some of it's going to be not nice. Some of it's going to be, you know, oh Lord, but Why? Because there's going to be a body of people like you and me that are going to stand up in this time. And we are not going to be popular. The Lord's going to bring a man into your life. I'm just giving you that as a prophetic word. I know you shouldn't be saying this, but he is. He, there, there is a man around the corner that God has prepared just for you, Christina. Just for you. Don't press it. Don't, don't just allow it to happen. I know, you, I know you get that. But I'm fed up with these young people leaving churches. You know, good churches. You know, that is preaching the right thing, teaching the right thing. Good places, and they leave because they want to find a husband or a wife. 
I wasn't looking for one. I walked into a church and you know, I'd never been in a church. I wasn't looking for a husband or wife. But God knew that around the corner I'd find my beautiful wife. Totally. You know, totally caught me up by surprise. And within four months we're married. Totally caught me off guard. And that's the same thing that's going to be happening to you, Christine. Same thing. But if you read just before this is all happening and the woman, what does she give birth to? A man-child. A man child it's the, it's the huios the fully matured things of God, there's going to be a man child that will walk, they will get this is the rapture folks, this is where the church have lost it, people will, they will get raptured up because it's come out of travail it's come out of pain, it's come out of labour and it's come out from the woman, the true church this, which I'm saying to you, is basically the bridal paradigm. It's the bride. This is the rapture. They're going to be caught up. That's the word it says. Caught up. They're going to be caught up into the throne room of God. They're going to be given incredible instruction, incredible power, and they will come back down. And where did they come back down to first? The bride. The woman. The woman to prepare them, to help them, to nurture them, to give them the revelation. Hey, folks, do you know we've got the sun up there? Let's use it as energy. And this is how you do it. Just put some water into the tank. This is how simple it's going to be. We're going to get such revelation to get through whatever the devil throws at us. And this technology will go right the way through into the thousand-year reign. It won't stop there. Isn't it exciting? This is what's going about to happen on earth as we know there are going to be people start being caught up prepare I'm telling you this last two years I have seen more angels coming in and standing behind people and mark people on the foreheads I've seen more of that but it has not happened for three months well, no probably sorry it hasn't happened for two months why <laughs> coming ready or not is booming down from heaven that marking has ceased there is going to be great judgments coming on this earth. Great judgments. I didn't think it was going to be as quick as this. But it is. When this first blood moon hits us on the, on the, on the April the 15th, it's going to start. And it's going to hit America first. Why? Because God is trying to wake up a sleeping giant. A sleeping church. So if it's going to happen there, it's going to happen here. I personally feel that, you know, we've got to start changing the way that we view ourselves. We've got to start thinking about who we are in Christ. We're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're, not, we're, we're going to usher in a kingdom that will, never, will have no end. We fight the fight, and we win. But just like Daniel, Michael, Hananiah, Azariah, we have to make a choice. By the way, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can't call them that. I really can't because that's their pagan name. I want their real names. Michael, Hananiah, Azariah. I want to call them that. Let's start, let's get real in the Bible. You know, that's their pagan names. I don't want to be calling these men of God that have made a choice and stood up, even to the point of... Moon, I don't want to call them the son of the moon God, which is Allah. 
Can I suggest we do the same? Michael, Ananiah, Azariah, and Hananiah. That's their names. And Daniel. We don't call Daniel Belshazzarak. You know, we don't call him that. Or Belteshar, whatever, you know. I just call him Daniel. That's his name. It's, it's, it's of God. E-L, of God. Son of God. But you know, they make a choice. And I'm suggesting tonight we make the choice. We might as well. Let's draw the line. Exodus 20, verse, verse, Exodus 20, verse 3. It says, you shall have no other God before me. Let's get that right now. Let's make a, th- a statement tonight to God. There shall be no other God. If television's your God, get rid of it. If something's your God, get rid of it. Let's get used to it now. Well, I won't go down that road. No. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to draw your de- demarcation line tonight. You've got to do it tonight. You've got to start getting this conviction on you right now. You know, and how, we know this is coming, so we might as well make the choice now. Before the true persecution comes on, we might as well make, and when we, and when, and when we think about persecution, we think, oh, it's going to be, it is going to be dreadful. Let's get used to it. It's going to be incredibly dreadful. But you know, this doesn't just affect you. It affects your families. It affects your family. When they say, why aren't they coming for you? Or when they come for you, they don't seem to find you. Why? Because you walk through the crowd completely invisible. You know, just like Jesus did. When they wanted to stone him, he walked through the crowd. And they couldn't see him. This is going to happen. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us so. So that song, the Bible tells us so. You know? We might as well make that choice. You know, we know that the seven heads and the ten horns and the ten crowns that it speaks about in Revelation speaks about this thing coming on. The ten horns is ten horns of strength with ten kings. It's ten federations that will be set up around this world with ten kings ruling over them. And they will be strong men and women. And they will have embraced this antichrist system and all of its ways. But we'll do that. We're going to have a look at Revelation, the book of Revelation, probably after this, see how the Lord says. But uh, we're at war now. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. And we know that that scripture, you should know that scripture off by heart in Ephesians 6, verses 12 and 13. But we have to do two things. We have to make a stand. I'm making a stand tonight, and I'm inviting you to make it with me. I ain't going anywhere else. I don't care what happens out of these doors, I'm making a stand for Jesus. You know, I'm going to start speaking the truth. I'm, I'm against homosexuality. I think it's abhorrent. Why? Because the Lord finds it abhorrent. You know, and, and if people want to come and that's my, my view, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be straight with you. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, I, I'm fully a man and I love my wife. I don't, you know, I just don't get it. And why, why are we being dictated to such a small portion of the, uh, the population? It would seem that the whole society is like this. It ain't. It isn't like this. You know, why, why should... Do you know what I mean? You know, we've got to call sin, sin. And we've got to make a choice. You know, and, and Satan is waiting for us to step into this. But we've got to be prepared. I, you know, I, I, I love history. You know, General Patton. Anyone heard of General Patton? 
the American general. In, in 1943, Rommel, General Rommel, of, of, he was German, he was in, the, in Egypt, he was fighting in the deserts, he was known as the Desert Fox, incredible, incredible tactician. And uh, the war was just about to turn, but God, you know, used a lot of situations to turn the tide of the war. The, the tide turned in 1941, but it really turned when Rommel was defeated in the desert. And what happened was, I mean, we know that um, uh, one of our generals, you know, uh, El Alamein, you know, the tide turned there. But Patton was fighting with his tank regiment in the desert. And he came against Rommel. And Rommel set his, his plan up and set his tactics up. And then, boom, Patton destroyed it. Destroyed the Panzer division that was sent against him. Totally destroyed it. Even to the point that he saw Rommel get in his uh, car and drive away. And he got up and he stood up in his jeep and he said, Rommel, I read your book. Because what happened is that General Patton read Rommel's tactician book that he wrote about how to do a battle. And he read it. So every move that Rommel did, Patton knew that he would counter it and how to do it. Because this is the way that, that, that Rommel fought his war. So when he said, I've read the book, folks, we've read the book. We've read the book. We know what happens. And we should be saying, devil, we've read the book. No weapon that is formed against us can ever prosper. And that he that's in me is greater than he that's in this world. Yeah, I've read the book. I've read the book. I rule and reign with the Lord Jesus. I sit at his right hand. And his name is above all names. And I have got his name, because I am his bride in the making. I've read the book, devil. That is sending tre tremor waves into the camp of the enemy. All hell is going to break out. Not on us. I've read the book. I'm standing firm. I'm making my choice. Do you know, it says that if we can't defeat him, flee. So sometimes it's good to flee, you know, to fight. It says, you know, if you flee a fight that you're not going to win, you're going to live to fight another fight. Look at Peter, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking for whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the face, knowing that at the same sufferings that you've experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole of the world. Folks, we've got to stand steadfast. We've got to resist. We've got to stand steadfast. But also, just read the book of martyrs. Just read what happens, but don't read it before you go to bed. Just read some of those stories. It will give you nightmares. I mean, incredible men and women of God. But you know, they made a choice. They made a total choice. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. He is the Son of God. <coughs> Call was given. Stoke the fire. Get, get the fire burning. We've got another one here. And they crucified, I mean, burned them, put them on gallows, ripped out tongues, you know, tortured them in the most horrific way. And just like us, we're going to have to make a choice to follow him. But we've got, we've, folks, we're not going to lose our lives. I'm, I, I'm telling you, we will not lose our lives. We will walk through seven, seven years of this. Seven years, and we will not lose our lives. 
It says in scripture there will be a body of people that will not die. I'm that. Agree with me. Say amen. That's a good place to say amen. Because that is going to be you and me. There's going to be a body of people that when all hell is broken on this earth, there's going to be a body of people that walk straight through it. And we will walk from this into the thousand-year reign of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that fantastic? I love what the, the apostles said. But Peter and the other apostles, this is Acts 5.29, answers and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's going to be our strap line. Listen, if this government tells me to, to, me to do something that is against God, guess what I'm going to do? Break the law. If they try and tell me if I'm a church and I'm the leader of the church to marry whatever, I ain't going to do it. No. Because I'd rather do what God has called us to do. And I'd rather obey God in this. So I'd rather get prepared for this now and make the choice. Follow man or follow God. See, then we see in, in uh, verse 8 of Daniel 3. Therefore, at the time, a certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. See, folks, there will be accusers. There will be accusers just like that today. And they will accuse us of being bigoted. They'll accuse us of being narrow-minded. They'll accuse us of being homophobic. They'll accuse us of having this all sorts of things wrong with marriage. Why can't, why can't anybody? If they love each other, but they'll accuse us of, of abortion and our stance on abortion. I'm against abortion. Totally against it. It's murder of the highest degree. Highest degree. Has anyone read about that uh, thing in, uh, that's in the UK? about us burning waste in hospitals and they're using feces that have been aborted to burn in our hospitals. And, the, and the, the, the health minister stood up in parliament and said this is an abomination. Not the fact that abortion's an abomination, that we're burning abortion babies in the fires. What does it represent? What's it showing us? Sacrifice into the fire. It's the same thing. It's a sacrifice into the fire. When the Babylonian people were sacrificing and putting into a statue in the belly, the belly of the statue, passing their babies through it as a sacrifice. Same thing going on as we're sat in our churches. Why haven't we said no? Why haven't this church woken up in this country and woken up in the West and say, enough's enough? I'll tell you why, because we haven't got the answer. We haven't got the answer. We should do. We should have the answer. A, B, C. Abstinence, be faithful, then contraception. We should be taking, talking. Do you know what I mean? Am I getting through? Yet we've got a liberal church. We, have we are being given over to this liberal church. I call it this postmodern age that we live in. This postmodern Christianity that we've got is so liberal that what they are now calling evil good and good evil. Totally. Totally. And we've, we've slipped down this greasy pole of grace. I love what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, under grace? He says, certainly not. 
Certainly not. There is an, um, uh, uh, an organisation called the Emerging Church, and it's so prominent in the UK. It started in the UK. The Emerging Church or the Emergent Church. It's one of those, I think it's, it's called the Emerging Church. And basically they say that because Jesus died for every sin on the cross, we live under that, 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 that whole umbrella of grace. And that means that you can go out and do whatever you want because you're under grace. That's what Paul's saying in this book. Can you do it if you're under that thing of grace? Certainly not. But the liberal church will tell you it's all right to do this. This has come in, folks. Just Google it. Steve Chalk is one of the head leaders of this, this movement. And Steve Chalk is now in the UN. Let's pray for that man. He used to be a man of God. He used to be a man of God. Folks, Romans 2, verse 13, and be hearers of the law, not just in the sight of God, but be doers of the law. We've got to start doing, not just hearers. We've got to start acting upon this like never before. <coughs> Sorry, I didn't get there in time. <coughs> you can cut that one out. For this reason, God gave them over to vile passions. This is Romans 1, verse 26. Do you want to quote this? You want to learn this verse. For even their women exchanged for natural use what was against, na against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burned to their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Sin is sin, folks. But in our liberal church, what we started to do is call sin good. This is all right. You can do it. You can do whatever you want. You can even get married in church now. No, it ain't. Romans 1, verse 26. It, <laughs> just read Romans 1 and then carry on from there. It ain't good. I love it. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, but then there will be accusers. There will be accusers coming to us. And they spoke and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They will have a slippery tongue. Live forever. You, O king, have made a de de decree. So I'm, I'm reminding you about that decree, Nebuchadnezzar, that you've just made. That any of anybody who hears the sound of the flute, the horn, etc., etc., shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship the image shall be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And we see it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Michael, Azariah, and Hananiah. These men, O king, have not paid due to the regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Why do you think they do this? Because we see in chapter 2 that these very men and Daniel saved these guys' lives save their lives. So why would they turn? Purely jealousy. Jealousy. They couldn't interpret the dream. Daniel, with the help of his praying friends, could. They were jealous of Michael, Hananiah, and Azariah, and Daniel. And they plotted long and hard for this to happen. 
And what they knew was that Nebuchadnezzar was a megalomaniac. But they also realized he had made a decree. And this was a plan set up by the enemy. There are plans that have been set up that unless we hear with God's ears and we see with God's eyes, we could be caught out. Folks, now is not the time to fall into fall out of godly ways and into the worldly ways. Yeah. Do you know, I read a incredible thing. Anyone heard of open doors? Open doors, they monitor, you know, Christianity throughout the, the world. Just last year over three thousand Christians lost their lives, were martyred. And that's been going on for a long time. There are more Christians being martyred now in Syria than ever before. They can't even give a rough estimate. There are over something like four and a half, four hundred thousand Christians in South in North Korea that are under incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. Because they got megalomaniacs. You know, have set themselves up just like Nebuchadnezzar. They've set themselves up as guards and the people have got to worship them. Over 3,000 Christians, as we, some of them are getting executed now. They say that in the hard lands of Pakistan, you know, that if a, if a person gives their life to Jesus, he will last three days, or she will last three days, before they're dragged out and their families with them and executed. So we see Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. You will fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But this is talking to, to the three men. They're saying, but you don't worship it. You should be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar is saying to these guys, listen guys, who came and stormed Jerusalem? Where was your God? Where was your God then when I stormed your walls? Where was your God when I ripped down your temple? Where was your God when I carried off your treasures? Where was your God, Michael, Azariah, and Hanani? Where is your God in this situation? Is he going to help you now? Because I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And who is God, this God, who will deliver you from my hands? So he's saying, guys, make your choice. Make your choice now. You can bow down and worship the image. He's not here. Your God will not save you. That's what the enemy is going to start saying to us. Your God can't help you. Yes, he can. And I think, ah, uh, and we've got to get this right now. You know, who you think God is and who you, you think he is will determine what you do. Do you get that? Who you think God is will determine what you do. If you see God as the all-power, the almighty, the omnipotent, the omnipresent God, the God that has raised us, the God has planted a seed in us for this time, guess what? We're going to walk through this time being the triumph, being the, the David taking on the beast, taking on Goliath. We're going to be that mighty people. But there are so many people that have got wrong theology. Wrong theology. They got, and our theology is going to get tested. Our theology is going to get tested. Listen, there are people saying if God is so loving, he will not send judgment on us because he's a loving God. Why would God allow all these storms and all these things coming on the earth that are going to absolutely obliterate 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I'll tell you why. He's trying to turn us back to him. Everything that God does is redemptive. He's trying to turn a hard-headed people that have lost all of their ways with him back to himself. And we, will, we are reaping what we have sowed. God, we are reaping what he has sowed. And do you know where he's going to start the judgment? Most is in church. Here's something for you. I'm going to sell it. I know I'm good. I know the person. I know this person, this individual. Heidi and I have had them around our house. We know that their word is absolutely true. This person does a lot of work with prostitutes on the streets in Sheffield. There were some of them that got saved. They took them and persuaded them you know, over a long period of time to go to a church, a big church in Sheffield. They walked in, these prostitutes, sat there in the thing and said to the woman, said to the person, we've got to get out. We've got to leave now. And they got outside and they said, why? He says, because some of our clients are sitting in, the, in that church. Some of the clients, their regular clients, are sat in the church. I'm calling a spade a spade. I'm not going to hide behind, but there is going to be an uncovering of this. There is going to be an uncovering because we cannot treat church and God like that. We can't. And there's going to be an uncovering. They do. Their theology needs testing. They will be tested. These churches will be tested. And do you know what? God spoke to me about this. Do you know what our churches in, the, in, in Sheffield, do you know what the thing they're suffering from? All these big churches, I'll tell you, I thought it was a, a spirit of religion. It isn't. I thought it was a spirit of, of, of uh, you know, whatever it is, Wiccan wannabes, witches and warlocks and, you know, Masonic. Those are the two prominent spirits over this area. But do you know what they've got? Spirit of pride. Spirit of pride. That's what the Lord spoke to me. And we know, what does God do? He opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. That was so, that, just me saying that has just banned me from most churches in Sheffield when the word gets out. But there is a spirit of pride. Look at us. We're a thousand strong. We're the biggest church in the city. Well, why haven't you taken it then? Why haven't you taken it? Why haven't you mowed it inroads instead of letting your people down all the time? You're so big and you've set up so many systems, but the system is not God. It's not God's ways. This is why we are going to start putting systems in this place that are God's ways. And we're not going to suffer from proud, from pride. Oh, Jesus, take it away from if we're going to suffer with pride. It doesn't matter how big this is, he gets the glory. Because God will not share the glory with these people. I, I, I suspect that if I said that on a Sunday night, some people would leave this church. But let me tell you, that's the truth. That is the truth. And God is not happy. He is not a happy chappy. <laughs> he isn't. He's going to expose us. I don't, want to, I don't want to have any system set up by man. I want, to, I want to follow God's ways. We will not have performance on this stage. Ever. And this is why I love people like Steve and Angela. You know, I, I, I love you guys. There ain't any performance in you. I love Barry. You know, standing on this stage is not a, a little thing. It's a huge thing. 
but we're going to have protocol. Protocol now. Folks, I'm sorry to say this, but not everybody is now going to be allowed on the stage. You're going to have to talk to the man. And everybody walking through that door, I don't care. If they start giving me a call card, this is what I am. I'm the greatest evangelist that you've ever seen. I'm the greatest healer. Sit there and sit there for a year, (laughs) minimum. Sit there, you ain't going to do anything. You ain't going to do nothing. So you can look at us and we can look at you. Because what I want to see is godly character. Godly character. And only when we've got that, folks, only when we've got that will God fall on us. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you know, when Heidi and I were going through this terrible four, five, six, seven weeks, oh my word, I appreciate the hedge that God put around us. But he also chose to lower it. Without that hedge, without that protection, oh boy, we would be in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. We can't, I now know the meaning of what it is to say Jesus Christ is Lord. We need his help to say that. Because there was a point was so dark. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about spiritual oppression, workers of wickedness, darkness, principalities and powers. And we hadn't done anything wrong. Not a thing wrong. And all hell broke out. Thank you so much for praying for us in that time. Thank you for holding us up. Thank you for, you know, it broke something. Listen, I think this is one of, I think this is one of the bravest, bravest, bravest things ever said. Ever said it. It's up there with Esther. Ever said. 16 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Michael and uh, Azariah and Hananiah answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God in whom we serve is more than able to deliver us from this burning furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. You can kill us, but guess where we're headed? You can take this body, you can do it, but guess where we're headed? It doesn't matter. You can't kill us, Nebuchadnezzar. But if not, let this be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. They have made a stand and they've made a conviction. They will not be swayed. What does conviction mean? It means truth, a strong persuasion or a strong belief. They knew the truth and they stood strong in that truth and they would not be swayed. And same, same for us. We've got to know who we are, who we are in Christ, where we're headed more than anything else. And where are we? Have we got conviction? Will you die for this? I'll ask the question tonight. Would you die for it? Would you die for Jesus? You know, and, and folks, we've, we've got to be ready for it. Now I understand why Paul said, it's better that you don't marry. Why? Because when, the, when Paul was writing that, who was getting thrown to the lions? Christian families. 
a man had to watch his wife and his children getting eaten by lions, dying the most horrific death. And Paul was saying, it's better you don't marry, so you don't have to watch that. Listen, they can do whatever they want to me, but I'll fight. <laughs> I'll fight for comfort, you know, knocking on my door for my wife and my child. I'll fight for it. That may not go down very well, but I will. We've got to be ready. Listen, we've got to fight now. <laughs> we've got to fight now. We've got to fight that with such a conviction that we ain't going to be swayed. We ain't going to be swayed. Listen, there's going to be a time when we're going to have to draw up the drawbridge, and God knows that. It's in God's perfect plan. Whatever God wants to do, whether he wants to give us a mansion or, or whatever, that's up to him. I'm resigned myself to that. Whatever God wants to do, let him do it. I'm still praying for it. I'm praying for a building just down the road. 900,000 pounds. That's what we need. But the Lord knows that. 900,000. We can buy it. Not have a mortgage. I don't, I don't believe that we should have a mortgage. Uh, but anyway, I don't... <laughs> hang on a sec, hang on a sec, Peter. You know, we live in this postmodern world that's trying to pull us apart in so many different directions. And so is our churches. We have this consumerism that in our churches. We're not teaching people how to live and stand with the Lord and fight for the Lord. and We're just performing. We've just got performance. You know, and, and, and we're tickling people. People are now coming to church. Oh, you can preach to me as long as you don't tell me I'm, I'm a real sinner. That, you know, oh, well, you, know, you are a sinner. We're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But I know somebody who can wash us clean. His name is Jesus. We're not talking about the end times. Why? Because the devil doesn't want us to know about the end times. Because he's going to catch us out. He ain't going to catch us out. We're going to do is, I'm going to come on to that. We're going to start preparing for it, folks. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar, in chapter in, in 19 and 20, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. Because basically what, the, what these guys have done is said, stuff you, Nebuchadnezzar. We're following our God. Stuff you. I am following you. And, it, and it, it rocked his boat. It absolutely rocked him. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. You know, and basically, it absolutely went against everything. He's a megalomaniac. And the expression on his face changed towards Michael and his, Hananiah and Azariah. Have you ever spoken to somebody that when you start saying, I'm a Christian, their faces change? They're given over to the demonic spirit? Oh boy, this is going to happen. We watched it on television, on Question Times. I mentioned last week about these two Christian. Oh, God, we prayed for them. But listen to this. He spoke and commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more than it's usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor, and that means the strongest men around, the, the elite of his army, who were in his army to bind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Michael, Hananiah, and Azariah, and cast them into the burning fire. Listen, what does this mean, seven times hotter? What age are we living in? Seventh age. What this is saying is, our age is going to be seven times hotter than what Daniel went through. That's what it's saying. This, and what we see now, is going to be seven times, this is going to be extremely hot. It's going to, as I keep saying, it's going to make Hitler and Stalin combined look like kindergarten bullies when the Antichrist comes on the scene. It's going to be hot, folks. It's going to be hot. But I've got some good news for you. 
Listen, when it talks about the strong men, these elite strong men that drag them, bound them, and throw them in the fire, what's it speaking about there? These, it's talking about that the Antichrist will have very strong men. <laughs> he will have a whole system built up to bring this power. He will have an incredible army with him that will bind up Christians and kill them in huge numbers. These will be very, very strong. But look at this. Look at this. Listen, folks, it's going to be tough. But there's going to be a body of people that will come out in triumph over this. We've had a look at it in Revelations 12. We will see the Antichrist and the rise of his system that will start coming and it will start changing everything as we know it. So we might as well be prepared as best as we can, just like Noah. Just like Noah. That Noah warned, God warned Noah, this is coming, Noah, but guess what you're going to have to do, Noah? You're going to have to start preparing. You're going to have to start building. You're gonna, and guess what? When the storm comes, I'll look after you. I'll look after you. This is exactly what God is saying to us as a church, as a body. Listen, prepare as best as you can. Start getting generators. Start putting money, uh, money aside. Start getting some gold. Start getting some food. Start storing up. Start doing all of this. Because as you prepare, listen, when you go through the storm, I'm going to be there. I'll provide for you. I will look after you. But get as prepared as you can. Hey? No, God is saying that. So I want to say to you, you know, that if you haven't read Neville Johnson, Surviving the Storms, part one, two, and three, read it. Absolutely read it. And know that God's in control and he will have a body of people that will overcome and shine for Jesus. And there will be strong men in this anti antichrist system that will do his, his commands. And there will be no quarter. And what they do is, we read in verse 21, that these men were bound in their coats, their trousers and their turbans and other garments and were cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. What does this mean? These men will, do, will, will just be about everything that will, that will try and destroy everything that we stand in, everything that we stand up in, everything that we believe in, they will try and destroy it. And what's a turban represent? And ever, ever in scripture you read about the turban, it always speaks about the mind. So it's talking about that he will destroy everything that we believe in. But what's the other garments? They weren't wearing the clothes. So that you, you know, it's like getting, get their suitcases out and we'll chuck them in. What's that speaking about? Other garments. It's speaking about our children, our loved ones, our families. They will die. They will die alongside you, not us. And that's what it's speaking. Listen, this is really serious stuff. So not only are they going to destroy everything about you and the way that you stand, what you stand for, and every way you think, they're going to destroy your family, so it doesn't continue. That's a bit sobering, isn't it? But we're going to do the great exploits. Whilst whilst the Antichrist comes on the scene and is wiping out, we're going to do the greatest exploits this world has ever seen. That through all of this, there is going to be a body of people that God start coming in in their billions. The first wave of God that God's going to start bringing to this church is the people that you are going to train. You are going to train in the, in, in the ways of God by putting character and the fruits of the Spirit. You're going to start telling them how to stand for Jesus, what it is to walk out in power, to have it all. You're going to start doing it. You're, we're going to have youth come through this door like you've never seen before. We're going to have youth come through that are going to be saying, right, this is the way to live. And you're going to have, have men, little, 
you know, young men and young girls that have, that have slept around the whole of the, their class, the whole of their youth, year group, and God's going to restore their virginity. He's going to make a purity come into them. He's going to make them stand up for Jesus, and they're going to become raging evangelists, not with, just with zeal, but they're going to have a maturity and that sugaring that we see of Daniel with wisdom. They're going to have all of this put on them, and they're going to change schools. But who's going to train them? We are. That's our job. That's our job. They're going to start coming in, but we're going to start getting them healed up. Get them healed up of, of abuse. Get them healed up of, of drug taking. Get them healed up of, of whatever it is. And I'll tell you, it won't take five hours. It'll take half an hour. It'll, and eventually it's going to be over a cup of tea. But we've got it set up here. We've got the whole thing set up, ready for this. Ready for it. Listen, Steve and Angela, Barry, you know, I, I, you know, listen, we've got to get the music prepared. This is why we've said to Trevor, look, Heidi can't do it all. Listen, it's not her, it's not her, 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 her strength. It's not a gifting. Heidi's gifting is getting up and playing and letting heaven fall down on us. So what Trevor's going to do is start putting things into place. Yeah, and so, Steve, Angela, you've got to get ready. You, I love your hearts. I love what you do. There is no performance in you. And God, God loves that about you. Absolutely, the both of you. You've been born for this time. So have you, Barry. You're going to be retiring soon. Why? Because God needs you. He needs your time. He needs you. Listen, I love Billy and Steve's. I love their attitude. I love you guys. You guys mean the world to me. Why? Because we're going to take on the world. And we're going to defeat it. I love it. And listen to this. Daniel, verse 22, chapter 3. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent... Listen, there's an urgency that the devil has now. He knows that his time is is short. There's going to be an urgency that's going to start coming on this world, start coming on this earth. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm getting excited. But it's going to start coming on this world, and it's going to overtake us unless we're prepared. Unless we're prepared. But listen, listen to this. And the furnace was exceedingly hot, and the flames of the and, and the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Michael and Hananiah and Azariah. Listen, can I just suggest something? Who's in control of the fire now? Who's in control of the fire? What's that representing? We are going to take down strongholds. We are going to take down strong men. We're going to start taking it down because we will have the fire of God on us that will take them on and bring them down. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about that we, doesn't matter how the devil sees it, the fire of God will be on a bunch of people that we will start bringing down these strongholds. We're a triumphant body of people with a head and not the tail. And we've got to start thinking this way. If you start thinking it, you'll start speaking it. If you start speaking it, you'll walk in it. If you walk in it, you'll run with it. And this is what we've got to start doing. Folks, this this is what it's all about. We're going to start taking on things in the spiritual and the physical. And we're going to bring them down. We're going to bring them down. Because it isn't. God is a control. God is in control. 
And it doesn't matter how many times the Antichrist puts the, the heat up. God is in control. He has got the antidote to that. He will double trump the devil in every aspect through a body of people. But as we know from Revelations 12, there is a body of people still asleep. We've got to wake them up. I can walk up to churches now, walk up to those leaders and say, get rid of your pride and then God will land on you. Repent and God will land on you. What does it say in Matthew 12, verse 25? I had a dream about this. Just, just, a couple, just about 10 days ago, I had a dream about this verse. How can one enter into a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds up the strong man and then he will plunder his house? We're going to bind up strong men, folks. And we're going to plunder the house of the devil. This, I had a dream. God spoke to me in a dream all about this. Can you remember the dream, Heidi? Using people I knew and, ah, God's in control. Look, and these three men, Michael, Hananiah, and Azariah, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery flame. And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose up in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did you not cast three men into this fiery fire? And they answered the king and they said, Yes, true king. He said, Look. I see four men loose walking in, walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. This is the heathen who was recognizing Jesus. I'm telling you, when we go into that furnace, when we go through the fire, God is going to break off everything that is shackling us, everything that is holding us, everything that has bound us from this world is going to be burnt out by this fire. Every bit of whatever is holding us back, that is binding us, the things of Satan is going to be burnt off that will qualify us to walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. So when we go through the fire, folks, God's doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even Nebuchadnezzar realized that Jesus Christ was walking in that fire. The son of God. This is the heathen. This is the guy that sacrifices babies. Jesus never said it was going to be easy for us. Never, ever said. He said, if your master goes through persecution, so shall you. If I've suffered, so shall you. Let's get used to it. And this is what I love in, in, in verse 26 and 27. Oh, my word. Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Michael, Hananiah, Azariah, Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. The guys came out from the midst of fire, and the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. Can you imagine their faces? Oh my God. Oh my God. This would spread around the city of Babylon like wildfire. Three guys got, you know, you can imagine the. There's a God that follow these, these three guys. That they, <laughs> This is what's going to get people's attention on us. They will go, oh, my God, how did you do that? Well, actually, it was my God in heaven that did it through me. It's my God in heaven. And you can start preaching the gospel when their jaws drop and they go, oh, my God. My God has done it. We've got to start giving the glory. 
to where it is when we totally submit our ways to God and he will make our path straight. He will look after us. He will look after our families. And if you notice, and whose bodies the fire had no power. This system that's coming on this earth will not have any power over us. Will not have any power over us. And the hair of their heads will not be singed, nor will their garments be affected. It's talking about their families, their children will be affected. And the smell of fire was not even on them. I know I'm running into time I, sh- I said I wouldn't do, but folks, I remember in, in Ukraine, in Kiev, when I got on after a service where I just saw miracles breaking out, I, there was a guy that was healed of AIDS that was just God in absolutely all of his glory was just healing people, people over the phone. I prayed for somebody who was aged and instantly healed over the phone, came into the service three days later, instantly. And there was just something happening in that room. And I got on the bus. Now, this is not me, folks. You know, I don't really smell that way. You know, um, but I got on the bus and people said, Andy, you just smell of, of this perfume, of this, this aroma. And literally people were getting off the bus behind and coming into the bus and just smelling just around me. And I was going, listen, God, I might smell of it a little bit, but, you know, they said, no. But, you know, there was, there's a sweetness, a smell of heaven, an aroma of heaven that will come in and it will be upon us. It will be on us. And people will be attracted to that smell because we'll start smelling of heaven, not of, of this earthly fire, but of God's earthly fire. It's fantastic news. We have an awesome God. We have an incredible God. And 20, chapter 23, uh, verse 20, 28 Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel. Sent, I mean, that, that word angel is, is Jesus. And delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, the king's degree, degree, decree, and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Nebuchadnezzar, it's totally changed at this point. He starts praising the very God that he said didn't exist. Couldn't save him. He starts giving glory to God. This is what we will start doing. We will be sent to governments. We'll be sent to, to presidents that are totally against God. And we will have the demonstration of the power of heaven behind us. That they will start giving glory to the God of heaven. Changing their ways. And I, I just heard this as I was writing this. I heard that, that thing. I want to shout it out. I want to sing it put from every mountain top. I want to sing that you are good. You are good. You know, that, that, and, and I just want to sing it out. I want to shout it out. I want to sing it from, this, from the very rooftops of this place. That you are good. You are good. You are good to me. And God... People will turn to Jesus when they see our courage and our conviction. I love that song. Everything I do, I do it for you. Brian Adams. Look into my eyes, you will see. Listen, God inspires everything on this earth. Right? And if you think that this was inspired by one man, I think, think again. I think this was an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Just listen to the words. Look into my eyes you will see what you mean to me. Search your heart and search your soul. When you find me there, you'll search no more. Who's it talking about? Jesus. 
Don't tell me this is the response. Don't tell me that you're not worth trying for. Don't tell me that you're not worth dying for. You know it's true that everything I do, I do it for you. Look into your heart and you will find. And there's nothing there to hide. Take me as I am. Take my life. I would give it all. I would sacrifice. Don't let me, don't tell me you're not worth fighting for. I can't help it, but there's nothing I want more. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. There's no love like your love. There's no other that could give more love. There's nowhere else you, you, unless you're there all the time and all the way. Look into your heart. And you can't tell me that you're not worth time for. And you can't tell me that you're not worth dying for. Incredible. Incredible. And then Nebuchadnezzar makes an incredible decree. Listen to this. This is written in stone. Chapter, uh, verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that any people, this is going throughout the whole of his, the whole of the empire, any nation or language or tongue or people which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their house shall be made a dung heap, a public toilet, because there is no God who can deliver like this. Let's turn to, to total turnabout. Total turnabout. Because these three men, convictions, where they wouldn't compromise God's ways, God's ways to the ways of man. And this is what it's going to be like in the end times. We will usher in the kingdom of God. We will usher in him as a returning king. We'll usher in a new world order that comes from the kingdom that we belong to. We will usher in a wedding feast and we will usher in our rewards. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province, in the whole province of Babylon. We've got our rewards, folks. Matthew 25, verses 33 to 34, he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. That's us, folks. We're going to inherit all of this. I'll speak a little bit more in a couple of weeks' time about this, and especially from chapter 4 of Daniel. We'll try and get through the whole chapter. Really appreciate your patience. You know, and, and, you know I really appreciate it. I was trying to get through that in less than an hour, but you know, I just get too excited and, and all the rest of it. But, but folks, you know, we know that from this, that God is for us, not against us. God will usher in his kingdom through us. He will do everything that he has said he's going to do. And we, he will not forsake us, and he will not leave us to be babes in this world. He will, he will do everything that he can when we have the conviction to follow him in all of his ways. I'll just finish with this. We, we live in such a shallow and immature church that any wind will just change us. Anything. A new thing, a new... Let's just get back to the old thing of loving the God with all of our hearts. Loving him with everything that we've got. Everything. And let's not follow the traditions of men, but also this 
cafeteria Christianity. I'll have a little bit of that because it's, it just makes me sit well. I'll have a little bit of that. Oh, I won't have any of that. It's a bit too, that's, a, that's a bit too harsh. Don't think I like the taste of that. Let's embrace Jesus and run with him. Right? Let's, let's get before the Lord in these next, because we're, we're, we're coming into Passover, folks. It's a couple of weeks away. It's 10 days, 11 days away. 15th of April. Let's just over these next few, few days, let's go before the Lord and say, Lord, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want with me. If I lose my life in this, I'll gain it. But just do whatever you want, but I'm here. I'm yours. I'm all of yours. Everything that I have is yours. But you know what? You're worth dying for. You're worth fighting for. And everything I do, I do it for you. Thank you, Jesus. So let's fight the fight. Let's fight the fight. Let's get prepared as much as we possibly can. Love you guys. You're the faithful. I tell you, we're going we're to take the city. I'm telling you now, we're going to take the city. And people will say that we're boast, I'm boasting in him because of what he's about to do through us. We will take the city because God's power is about to come on a body of people. We will change the city. This city is going to be a beacon around this, around this nation, but also other nations. Some of you will go to other nations. Some of you will carry this presence to other nations and do and replicate what God is doing in this place. But let's not boast about small beginnings. God spoke to me about this. Why do, why do men, I hear men, you know, really good, 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 really good men and, and women who get up on the stage and said, I went to a church with 20,000 people. So what? So what? I'm speaking to a church of 20 people. I'd rather speak to this than 20,000 lukewarm, falling asleep Christians. I'll go and I'll sound the alarm and I'll kick some butts, but I don't care how many numbers. I don't care. I'm not bothered about numbers. I'm not bothered about, you know, what happens. Yeah, we might take the stadiums, but you know what? This is where it begins. And I'll boast in this. It started with a few. It started with a few. And if we have a church, you know, don't be frightened about numbers. <laughs> don't be frightened about going to the church down the road that's got, you know, you know, four old ladies and, you know, and a couple of their family. They might become, you know, the evangelists of the city. Let's not be swayed by it because that's insecurity. That's total insecurity when you start boasting about numbers and things like that. Heidi and I, you know, we've had to fight this. You know, when you turn up and you're prepared, I mean, this, this talk has probably taken me a minimum of 16 hours to prepare. 16 hours. Why? Because I know the body of people I'm speaking to here are going to run with it. I can't do any, folks, I'm in it for the long haul. Let's not fall out. Let's not get, it's just not, you know, do you know what I mean? Lord, we want to thank you for Andy and Ivan. Let's, let's just thank God. Let's just thank, let's just, let's let, I thank you. Thank you, Jean, but let's thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for for June. Thank you for sheep. Thank you for everybody in this room. And when anybody's here, Lord, thank you that you've woken us up. Lord, you put a fire in our bellies. 
Lord, I thank you that, that we can't turn back. We cannot turn back. 